Welcome to the Happy Client Show. This is the weekly podcast dedicated to helping inbound agencies master the art of truly delighting their clients. This episode is brought to you by Do Inbound, the project and process management platform built by an agency for agencies. Learn more at doinbound.com. Now, here are your hosts, Ben and Andrew. Hey guys, welcome to your safe place. Welcome to the Happy Client Show, where we are going to help you deal with client relationships, be prepared, and to have happier, better, and more fruitful client relationships. My name is Ben Butler, and I'm here with the greatest co-host in the world. I even got him a mug that says that. It's on the way. Andrew Dipsky. <laughs> Andrew, how you doing? I can't wait for my mug, Ben. This is going to be great. Crap, now I actually got to send one. Crap. <laughs> I'm doing good. I just, I'm reading this season, Ben. It's all about client fires. It has me down in the dumps a little bit because it's all about how to avoid these negative situations and it's stressing me out. But it's, you know, there's nowhere else. No one's talking about this because it's not fun. Yeah. Um, so I, all agencies hit bumps in the road. But what do you do when you get mm. to these bumps? When you get knocked down, it's about getting back up. And that's what this season's all about, Ben. Getting knocked down and getting back up and doing it better next time. Learning from those mistakes so that you're a better agency for it. And we got another good topic lined up today and I'm excited to get through it. Yeah, me too. And that's exactly it. Some of this stuff, like most of these, when I was trying to, number one, when I was early and young in the agency world and, you know, these are the things that no one ever like really talks about. And everyone pretends like running an agency is the easiest thing in the world, but it's the hardest thing in the world. So this is to help you deal with these situations. And today, these might be situations that you only deal with once or twice, but I tell you what, they are make or break. And so we're diving in here these are the things that are really going to help you uh, and really just equip these to your mind. Put on your armor with this. This is another arrow in whatever the arrow carrier is. You know, This is another piece to help you when the going gets rough. So we're going to dive into five especially fiery client conflict situations. And you might be sitting here listening to some of these saying, ah, that'll never happen to me. Could you not? All of these have happened to us. And so we're excited to talk about them today. Andrew, will you please do the honor of kicking us off with situation number one? Yeah, situation number one, we're going to talk about a client that you're working with that is probably a project-based situation where you've agreed on a project with a client, you're getting ready to get started, but then the client takes that scope of work that maybe you've worked together to put together, goes behind your back, has another agency do the work for them, and then wants their money back for the contract that they agreed to with you and your agency. So this sounds like a doozy, sounds like a never-would-happen-to-me situation, but Ben, you've walked this line. Talk <laughs> yeah. to us about it. Oh my goodness. This is one of the biggest losses of my career so far. And the honest to goodness truth is that you can prevent this. And, you know, it was not only was it a major blow because the work was completed and then the re refund was demanded because someone they had a final product from someone else, you know, it's preventable. And that's the biggest takeaway here is you can try to fight it all you want. But like my father-in-law told me, he handles a lot of negotiations for really big corporations and he deals with countries in his negotiations like China and India. He's dealing with country negotiations and he said to me, if it's not in your contract and there's any ambiguity, you're probably going to get taken to the cleaners and spend more money than it's worth trying to fight this thing. So here's what I'm saying to you. Put it in your contract to protect yourself 
from this. And here are some things you need to cover to protect yourself. And this all goes back to good contracts. Don't be an optimist. Be someone who's going to be prepared. So hope for the best, prepare for the worst. This is a worst, a very worst, and you might only come across it once or twice, but prevent it. So you need to talk about refunds in your contracts. Are deposits refundable? Are payments refundable? And one of the biggest game changers is putting deposits are non-refundable and that final payments are not refundable for any reason. Because you don't want any whatever, oh, you know, you completed this work, we paid you, and uh, for some reason, we now want to ask for a refund. Eliminate refunds altogether. But also, you want to have a clause in your contract that discusses breaches of contract. And basically, this is a situation where someone acts in a way that is unacceptable to the business relationship. And some people will say, well, you're, you're a jerk for putting that in there or put any kind of breach of contract. Well, here's the reality. You want to have an operating code for the way that what are the norms in this relationship. And so a breach of contract is a violation of the highest magnitude to a norm of that relationship. And so basically in the breach of contract, one of the things that you want to put is a client hiring another agency to complete the same work without terminating your contract is a breach of your contract. That being said, they forego their rights to even ask for a refund. And even more so, you can enforce a penalty. And the one that I came up with, and it's extremely harsh, extremely, extremely harsh, is that if you breach the contract in this manner, that I am going to withhold work and I'm going to charge you the final sum. And by signing this contract, you agree that if you breach the contract in this way, no work will be turned in and you will have to, you will be obligated legally to pay the final sum. So try that and see if someone tries to screw you. I dare you. <laughs> <laughs> I think like just going through all this stuff, Ben, these are situations you don't want to be in, but making sure that before you get to the contract phase that there's no surprises in the fine print is a big, big thing to hit on here. Outlining these points with the client when you're walking through the final phases so that they know exactly what to expect as they're moving forward and everyone's on the same page, that's a key to a healthy relationship. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the contracts are that way. You don't want the client – and I, I – I'll never forget this. My my landlord here in the office, we love Andrew, we love him, John. He once said to me about a contract, he's like, Ben, like, this is the most hostile contract I've ever read. And so you don't want people to come that way. You want to explain ahead of time so that they're not taking it out of context. Yeah. So definitely don't just spring this upon anyone in the fine print and hope secretly and sickly that it will come to pass. So be sure to communicate this for sure. Um all of these, and especially situation number two, a client demands source and final files but won't pay the remaining sum. Andrew, what do we do about this? Well, you know, as you're working through this stuff, there are certain elements that you control as an agency, and there are certain things that the client controls. Obviously, the client controls their ability to pay you, but then you control, to a certain extent, the the assets that are created. So here's an example where the client wants you to send everything over to them, but they haven't sent over the final payment just yet. It's kind of a red flag moment there, Ben. Um, and especially if there's a situation where you're ex you kind of suspect that this client is up to some shady behavior, something just doesn't feel right in the relationship. Um, it's important that you guys reflect back to your contract and say, "Hey, final source files are handed over once the final payments." paid or the website's launched once final payment is paid and we've agreed that all the revisions are done 
again, going back to that timeline, that process that you've laid out at the beginning, um, because once you hand over these assets, what leverage do you then have as an agency? Mm-hmm. There's no reason for that client to come back to you and pay. Um, so you want, you're not holding it over their head, but you're just saying, hey, this is the timeline that we both agreed to at the beginning of the relationship. And if there's an issue, you want to kind of bring it out there and talk through it and get things back on track from that point. Um, but you never want to hand things over before that final check has been cut because you're going to be left holding the bag. Yeah, absolutely. And again, we you've probably been listening for a while now. You've heard this, but for you uh, newer folks, we talk about the sins of agency past. And basically, what have other agencies done that screwed it up for the rest of us, perception-wise? And I like to – this is one of those moments where the sins of agency past, they turn in final files and never get paid. And so people have this loose concept of what an agency will do and how to take advantage. But here's what I like to relate this to. You can't go to the tailors and take your suit that's been altered without paying the final sum. They won't even hand it over the counter. You know, you don't go to a restaurant and, you know, order food and then don't pay at the end. They'll make you do dishes. You know, we have to have the same concept. We have to get paid. And whatever you got to do to do that and to communicate that for your business, you're doing work, it's just ethical. And so don't let unethical behavior interrupt and harm your team. And speaking of situation three, what happens if a client verbally abuses a team member? And I I don't want this to be something where, I think he said that to my employee and I'm going to fire him. You know, this is, you know, when this happens, I mean, this is, there's no guesswork involved here. So Andrew, tell us about this situation and what we should do. Yeah, this is, this is a very big deal because the agency pass that Ben has been talking about is the situation where the client is always right. And that is not the case here as agency owners and as the project managers of teams, we need to have our team's best interest at heart. So it's a part of our responsibility to stand up for our team members when a client is stepping out of line and being abusive. And it's important to directly address these situations when they come up and stand up for your team. You know, you want to go through those processes that we talked about in the last episode about going back, getting the full story, hearing both sides of the story, understanding what's going on. But that point where the client makes this personal is the point of the red flag for you to you to say, hey, you know what? This is not a healthy place to be. We do not appreciate the way you've treated so-and-so. Because of this reason, we are terminating the contract. We're backing out at this point. Having a strong stand on this point I think is really, really important. Maybe you don't go to firing them right away, Ben, but at least letting them know that you have that team member's back and they can't strong arm you yeah. as the owner just to get what they want by saying, hey, so-and-so's an idiot. Give me someone else on my account or something like mm-hmm. that. That's not sufficient. Mm-hmm. You know, We need to stand by our team because if I take the client side because I say, oh, the client pays the bills, what, how does my team member then view me as the owner? Do they think I have their best interest at heart? Do they think I'm providing a safe culture to work in, a place where they feel backed up, where they feel supported? I don't think so. So you, in my opinion, you want to get the full story, but when it comes down to it, if the client makes it personal, I'm taking the side of my team member mm-hmm. because they are under sort of my guidance, my leadership. The client needs to either get their act together or hit the road. Yeah, bottom line and that's another sin of agency pass like you were saying is that these agency owners and i have tons and tons of friends who work for various kinds of agencies boutique big 
big, big, big agencies, you know, and everything in between. And one of the biggest things you hear is that the whoever is in charge of the client relationship basically will kiss the feet of the agency who just kicked their teammate in the face. That is not acceptable. And if that's you as an agency owner, seriously, you should be ashamed of yourself. I'm not even joking. That That is unacceptable. And I would say that's borderline unethical. Stand up for your team have their back at the end of the day and you will have a happier, better agency and you'll have better client relationships. You know, maybe maybe the client will say, oh my goodness, I am so sorry. That was horribly wrong. But if you don't say anything about it, they have no idea to know that that was unacceptable. And again, they might just assume that's that is how agencies should be treated. And here's another situation of that from agency past, the sins of agency past here. I feel like we could do a whole season on that at this point, but situation four you provide an additional quote for an additional piece of work and the client tries to strong arm the price down. I just want to give some context to what this is. This is where you have some kind of prior engagement set up, whether a retainer or an ongoing project, and the client comes to you for additional work. And what they're going to try to do is leverage the relationship that exists to strong arm the price down. Andrew, we just dealt with this. What the heck do we do? Well, first of all, you want to stick to your guns. I guess I should take a step back. First of all, you want your pricing strategy to be well thought out. Because if a client pushes back on it, you want to have reasons why a price is what a price is. You don't just want to kind of pull them out of nowhere because that's what you saw the price was on another agency's website or something like that. You want to be able to back up your price with a theory and here's why it is what it is. And I think when you are detailed in that sense and you break down exactly why something is the way it is. I mean, you hit on this in our last episode, Ben. You want to be able to communicate that with clarity so that, you know, the client understands, okay, here's why it is what it is. Here's the expectation. Um, That's so important because if you do cave and you do lower the price for that client after they strong arm you, they now know that you are adjustable, that these prices are not set in stone. That if they just push, you will give, you will cave. You've got to hold your ground and you know know why a price is the price, Ben, because then you can stand up against any pushback because you have a well-thought-out theory on pricing and it's in, it's in practice. If there's any ambiguity in that theory, then you're going to crack and the client's going to see through that sort of facade. They're going to be able to say, okay, this guy's just making this stuff up as he goes. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want that to be in play. Have some sort of a system that, that you use to come up with your prices and stick to it so that the client knows, okay, the, this, this agency does what they says they're going to do. They are who they say they are. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those things where this is, this is such a big topic that agencies, the sins of agency pass, they just make these prices up trying to expect to negotiate down or for whatever the reason, trying to get more money or strong arm themselves, you know, to get the client to pay more, but have a, like you're saying, have a very specific theory and never negotiate on value. And let me repeat that again. Never negotiate on value. If a client says, I want everything you just said, uh, for several thousand less or $2 less, you know, whatever, Say, okay, that's fine, but we have to take away deliverables to get to that place because we're not making our price up. The second that you negotiate on value and not deliverables, you're communicating two things. Number one, that pricing is fluid. 
and that's not the case and shouldn't be the case. And number two, you've just communicated that you quoted high trying to negotiate down, and that's a trust thing. And that's I would say that's not really that ethical from an agency perspective. I mean, we're not negotiating cars here. We're not negotiating copy paper. We're negotiating service. And so you shouldn't be trying to quote too high to bring down, and you need to stay to your guns and stick to those guns here. So important. Last but not least, oh man, this is a bad one, Andrew. I can't even say it. Can you can you tell us what the situation is? <laughs> this is a lot about sticking to your guns and having a well thought out uh, process and theory around the services that you deliver. Situation five is the client gets upset when you don't allow scope creep. You know, most clients they're going to understand what scope creep is if you've done a good job of setting expectations up front. So there are kind of two situations we could be talking about here, Ben. There's sort of the innocent situation where the client asks you to do something because they thought it was included in the work. Then there's the more malicious side of the relationship where they know that something is more, but they just want you to do it anyway. Um, so as a as an agency, what do you think is the best response now if you get one of these coming at you? How would you turn it around and respond in that situation? Yeah, and – Carl Sakis, he's on the Inbound Agency Journey podcast. He's been on there a couple times. He is a, an agency consultant, and he is a smart cookie. He wrote a post on this, which I'll link in the show notes here, about the simplest, easiest way to deal with scope creep of any sort that I honestly never even thought of but love and have used to great success. And it is literally – six words, or actually I can't count. Is that six or seven words? Okay. One sentence to deal with scope creep. Would you like a quote for that? You know, like, wow, where was that three years ago? You know, (laughs) would you like a quote for that? They ask for something and they'll immediately understand, oh, that's not part of the scope. And they might say, no, I don't. (laughs) Okay, bye. (laughs) So I love that approach so much. It's so simple. And it, it makes a world of difference. And some clients might say, you know, at that point, what's step two in this? You know, uh, what? I need a quote for, huh? Here's what you have to do next is, number one, make sure you're clearly defining the scope of work. No ambiguity in your contracts. It should be clear as day what you're doing and what you're not doing. And address it right away in the beginning of the process. Additional work is served at an additional rate, period. And if the client gets upset, This is, you know, honestly, this is just what you have to say. And you do not have to be a jerk. Keep your zen. Just say, listen, I'm trying to run a business here. Or, you know, if you're the project manager and not the owner, listen, we're trying to run a business here. And, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I want to make a profit. And we want to make a profit. We want to be around next month, next year, the year after that. We want to stay alive. We don't want to just stay alive. We want to live a good lifestyle. Do you want us to be squeezing by? Do you want us <laughs> grinding away to nothing? Because you shouldn't, because the work that we do for you is not going to be good. The relationship that we have together is not going to be mutually beneficial. Do you really want us to squeeze by? See what they say, you know, because can you argue with that? Andrew, tell me, can you argue with that approach? Well, you probably could. You could tell them you could move to somewhere with a lower cost of living. You tell them you, they could make food at home. Um, that I mean, you. that's a conversation where I think having that well-thought-out pricing strategy comes back 
again on, in your favor because you if if you say would you like a quote for that and they say wait a second i thought that this was included you can then point back to your contract and say mm-hmm. well here it's well documented that says what we do do what we don't do but then also you can say hey here's what goes into something like that you know if you want to add a microsite onto your website here's what actually goes into that here's the process that goes into that and here's why this is a different a different level of service and if you want to explore this more, we'd be happy to do that with you. You know, personally, I would keep it a little less personal, Ben, than laying out to them. <laughs> do you want us to scrape by and not make any money? And they'd be like, yes, we do. We want you to do the work for free. Um, no. <laughs> I would lay out why is this service make sense? Why, why, is it, why does it require more strategy? Why does it require another wave of research? Why does it require another wave of optimization on the website? What goes into that? You know, they don't know what they don't know. And so it's our job to communicate that with clarity. Again, maintain your Zen, be cool about this, be calm about this, communicate what goes into it. Say, hey, if you're interested, I'd be more than happy to explore this with you more. Learn about what you're trying to accomplish, how we can mix it into the strategy we're already running, put together a quote for you and the team on what it would take to make this happen. And hey, they might say, yeah, that sounds awesome. Boom, that's more revenue for the agency. But you've also set the expectation that I'm not going to do this for free. Yeah, and scope creep is not a scope creep is not something that just comes out of nowhere. Scope creep is a day to day decision that an agency makes and has a stance on. And here's how it usually plays out: You're an agency who has a strict no no scope creep policy. You train your employees to be that way. You uh, you know, make that expectation clear to your clients. Maybe they may, they might ask for something, and you might say, "Hey, you know, would you like a quote for that?" But here's the other situation: is uh, agencies just they say yes to like a little scope creep, and one day they find themselves at a place where basically the the client like expects them to do a major project for pretty much for free, and so it's a day by day decision. And so be upfront about it. Have good habits. And with all of these, come prepared. I mean, these these are really things that can be prevented. These are situations that if you're prepared, you can protect yourself from and you can run not only a better agency, but you'll have happier clients in the end. I guarantee it. Thank you for listening to The Happy Client Show. You can find the notes for today's episode at doinbound.com slash happy. That's doinbound, all one word, slash happy. Today's show is sponsored by Do Inbound, the world's first process and project management platform built specifically for inbound marketing agencies. Learn more at doinbound.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review of the show to help spread the happy client show vibes. Until next time, remember, life is a journey. Keep moving forward.